The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Save breath of corn, you part. Time for another stellar episode. Dotnet Rocks. The Internet Audio Talk Show. Redundant Developers. With Kyle Franklin. Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan. Announced show number 325. Yes, Barry Duran. Life. Tuesday, March 11, 2008. Dotnet Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net. Training developers to work smarter. And now, offering SharePoint 2007 video training with Sahil Malik on DVD, DNR TV style. Order your copy now at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telderic, combining the best in Windows Forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. Support is also provided by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who says, Never wear a utility kilt, even if it's St. Patrick's Day, Carl Franklin. Thank you very much, Lawrence. Your jokes keep getting better and better. This is Carl Franklin, and uh, welcome to .NET Rocks. I'm here in New England on the east coast of the United States of America and also on the North American content on the west coast, Mr. Richard Gamble. Yes, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm doing really, really well these days. I well, just, I'm glad you're back to recording. I know that that makes you happy. Uh, yeah, I've been engrossed in music in the last four or five months and it just keeps getting better and better. I'm waiting for a new Franklin Brothers album. That's killing me. Um, well, yeah, uh, Jay and I are working on some really good stuff. Um, pretty amazing i mean we've we've found a couple of guys in a you know bass bass player and a drummer who are real really really serious about what they do and it's like for the first time we've been able to let them listen it's like here listen to josie by steely dan and then let's get together and play it and we nail it (laughs) and that's a difficult song right yeah no kidding so jay and i just looking at each other last night like oh my god it's like our dream come true you know we've got the band Anyway, be that as it may, let's get right into Better Know Framework. All right, sir, what do you got for me? And that is not the Franklin Brothers you're listening to. No, no, that's just Carl. It is really infectious, isn't it? (laughs) Yes. You can't... Like influenza. Yeah, it gets in your head and you just can't stop going... Like a little (laughs) gopher dance or something. Like a little hamster. All right, today um, I'm going to start a talk about um, a fairly complex topic that every .NET developer should know, and that's delegates. Ah, yes. Because delegates are something that people have a hard time wrapping their mind around, so let's just start the conversation here real quickly, and then we'll just continue on over the next few shows, okay? Okay. So, 
you, I don't know if you, if you've been a C++ programmer or a C programmer, but the whole idea of pointers and references is what delegates are all about, and particularly pointers to code. Now, a code pointer is an address in memory somewhere where a line of code exists, or more particularly, you know, an assembler instruction. Right. Right? But a code pointer is is a way to refer to a function or a method or a property handler or some kind of member that is going to – some sort of code member that's going to execute. So better than having just a code pointer, it wouldn't it be great to take all of the signature of that sub or function or whatever that method is and put that in an object along with the code pointer so that, you know, back in the VB days, you'd have the Windows API and you'd have a declare statement. Well, that's where you're defining your signature. And if you got that wrong, boom, right? Right. We've all had, and this is why Dan Appleman's book on the API reference was so valuable. Because <laughs> yeah, it told no you how to, yeah, what those declare statements were. So let's say you have a function that takes a couple of strings and an object or whatever and returns an integer, right? You, that is the signature. You want to take that signature with the return value and wrap it up with a pointer to a particular method in, in an object. And now you have an object that you can just pass around. Okay. And it makes it really easy to pass that object around, um, between threads so that th this is perfect for callbacks. You tell, uh, some code to execute on another thread. And when it's done, Hey, call this method so that I know that you're done like an event handler, right? So that is the beginning of the discussion on delegates. We'll talk more about uh, actually how to do that in the next show. But for now, Richard, give me an email. All righty, here we go. Uh, this is an email from Jim Holmes, who's previously sent us an email and already scored his mug as evidenced by, guys, first off, thanks for the cool DNR mug you swagged me with. Swag you? Is we swag a verb? I, I Apparently to Jim, it's a verb. I've never heard it used as a verb. That's good. Uh, he's been swagged. <laughs> Secondly, I loved hearing I Matthew Manella like on that. show 316 talking about the MSDN code gallery. Right. It brought to mind Code Keep, the great online service and Visual Studio add-in written by a pal of mine, Dave Donaldson. Huh. You can find Dave's brainchild at www.codekeep.net. It's a terrific repository of searchable and private snippets and example code. Dave did a tremendous job building this up. There are almost 11,000 snippets from a crap load of smart folks. Wow. Wait a second. Is crap load a word? If swag is a verb, crap load is a word. Okay, at least in Jim's world. But that's a heck of a, a little store there, codekeep.net. Yeah. Lastly, I was appalled to hear some time back that someone's watching DNR TV on their iPod as they're commuting. I know. Isn't that horrible? I drive two and a half hours back and forth to work each day, and I'm horrified that I may be on the same road as that individual. I would never consider doing such a reckless thing while driving. I use the much saner approach of using my 17-inch laptop to watch DNR TV in my car, although it's somewhat <laughs> difficult to route the power and external drive cables for my VPCs through the steering wheel. Yeah, if you're going to watch DNR TV in your car, at least have a big screen. Big screen. So so you're not leaning down and squinting. That's it. Love your shows, Jim Holmes. P.S. Just kidding about the laptop thing. Of course you are. Of course you are. <laughs> well, he's already got a mug. I guess we've got to send him a t-shirt now. Or a hoodie or something. All right. Thanks, exactly. Jim. And if you've got an email or a question or an idea or a complaint or anything or you want flame, to talk to us about. right? What's that? Or a flame. Or a flame. Hey, we don't mind being flamed. That's all right. We can take it. 
Send us an email, .netrocks at franklins.net. All right. And with that, Richard, let's introduce our guest. This is going to be a great show. Uh, our guest today is Barry Dorans. Barry has been playing with computers since the days of the Dead Flesh keyboard on the ZX Spectrum. Oh, I remember that keyboard. Uh, we're going to have to talk about that because I have no idea what that is. Graduating to .NET via RPG, Quick Basic, C, C++, and VB. His time has been spent in various markets from banking through telecoms and even parts of the record industry. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Definitely. He specialized record industry. I was I was a, a record industry slut. So I put a bunch of music online. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Just wait a second, let me finish this. <laughs> he specializes in .NET and Microsoft technologies looking at quote whatever takes his fancy, end quote, and running with it to see where it goes, with a passion for sharing the knowledge gathered during each of his code expeditions. For the last few years he has focused on security for developers and recently information cards in particular. And when not in front of the computer, Barry's usually either asleep or eating. I'm so glad you included that in your bio. Well, yeah, because, you know, I don't want people to think that I spend all my time in front of the computer. I have to sleep and eat and shower. You know, I'm oh, like bathing's not in that list, man. <laughs> bathing's not in the list. Are we adding that now? I, 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 think, I think we better, just in case. Probably. You know, you know, I'm single, so maybe I should put that in my bath. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and uh, so, um, the record industry. Yes. Um, wow! I, I, we did a lot of promotional streaming for all of the majors in the UK. So we put a bunch of music up online for free um, before it was released. We, we DRM'd it because, you know, we're that evil. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but people were getting it for free. So, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a nice trade-off. Now, who's uh, we? Or, so, so I thought, oh, well, it was, a, it was a company that was called Virtue Broadcasting before we burned through all the capital and did the usual dot-com thing. Ah. But wow. it, it, it was fun. You know, I got to meet Sting. I, I, I got to meet Jules Holland. I got to meet a bunch of people you'll never, ever have heard of. Mm. Um, little, little tiny singers and um, Atomic Kitten and a bunch of other stuff. And oh, it was great. Some of those traditional Irish guys like Christy Moore. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, we, we were, it was, it's, it was teeny bopper music mostly. Ah, okay. The popular but, you know, that had its That had its attraction because we used to get lots of, you know, all the videos and music through four or five weeks before it was released. I get the uh, the scoop on. I've been schooled in Irish music ever since I've been hanging out at Hannafin's Pub, the owner of who, Dermot Hannafin, who's uh, uh, from Dublin, uh, from Cork, actually. So he's schooling me in in the traditional Irish stuff, and uh, apparently you uh, two and Christy Moore just put out a CD really? together. Oh dear. Yeah. Well, you see, I, I yeah, you two's gone gone horribly commercial in like the last ten years. And Bono's ego has has completely got in the way of any sort of music <laughs> that, that that they put out, from what I can see. So I just no, you know, ever yeah. since the Unforgettable Fire, it just started going downhill. That was a good album, though, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, after that, oh, it's like, oh, let's let let's start, you know, let's start being all commercial and and and, and thinking we're a stadium rock band. Well, we I guess we should talk about .NET. You came through the ranks uh, as. Um, through RPG and Quick Basic, which is really cool, but don't let that ZX Spectrum go. No, that's what I wanted to talk about first. <laughs> the Dead Flesh keyboard on the ZX Spectrum. Tell me about that. Well, you you guys had it in the states as a as a Timex, a Timex Sinclair, according to Wikipedia, right? Okay. Um, and it had this sort of like little rubber keyboard, 
that, oh. that had the most bizarre feel to it ever. I see. And so it was described by everyone as a dead flesh keyboard because it had no tactile feel to it whatsoever. You sort of pressed the key and it it squished and it gave way. I have one of those now. It's like a USB keyboard that you can roll up. Yeah, that sort of thing. But that USB keyboard had more has more stroke. It, it, they're actually popped up little rubber things that you can push down. Right. The, the Sinclair was flat. Oh, Ooh. no, the ZX81 was flat. That was the previous one, and that oh, was okay. like a flat thing. But the, spe- the Spectrum actually had keys that came up. So it is mu- it is much like the 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 USB roll up keyboards that we get we get nowadays. Now, did you do any programming on the on the Spectrum? Well, yeah. You see, at that at that stage, it was like everything was all shiny and new. So this must have been what 1982, 1981. Mm-hmm. Um, my best friend had a, a rival computer, a BBCB. So we try and outdo each other. And of course, in those days, the the thing to do was write text adventures and yeah. and trying trying to fit a full English parser into forty eight k. Yeah. Yeah, it never really worked. Uh, but it was a challenge. You know, I tried to do that on the TRS-80, too. And, you know, you know, in a, in a text adventure where you walk around picking things up, you know, that was the first time that I had to ever deal with any collection of anything. And, and, I, and that stumped me. You know, I couldn't figure out arrays, apparently. But, you know, I was 11. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I was 11. Maybe I was a little older. Anyway, uh, RPG Quick Basic C C plus plus VB dot net. What do you code in today? Uh, C sharp mainly. Yeah, mainly because because everything I you know I, all this, this this WPF stuff you know all this this fancy graphics have no interest in me whatsoever. I'm just like doing stuff that hangs around at the server side, which is far more interesting to me. But you know it doesn't get the love. It doesn't get the fanboys. Now what uh, what's your MVP for? Uh, ooh, they keep changing the name of it. It's, it's developer tools hyphen security. Ah. So you're really into info, information cards right now. Yeah. So information cards, what was, what was card space, what was info card. So it's gone through, it's gone through a bunch of renames. Shall we, shall we talk about OpenID? We could do a little bit. Yeah. You see, the whole Microsoft taking over OpenID is quite interesting. It is, isn't it? The, the, I mean, there, there are problems with OpenID as it's implemented right now in that it's very easy to fish OpenID because as part of the authentication procedure, you have to tell a website who your OpenID provider is. And, so instead, and then you're trusting them to redirect you through to the right place so you can do your OpenID login and, and, and get access to, to whatever you're getting access to. So as part of that process, you know, and I could put up an evil site that has, you know, Barry Day, Barry's holiday picks, you know, log in with your open ID here to see them. Now, obviously, that's not going to be an attractive proposition for many, if mm. any at all. <laughs> but, you know, it just sort of illustrates things. So people will then tell me who the, tell me what their open ID URL is. And from that, I know who your open ID provider is. So I can quickly go to that open ID provider, scrape down the login page, or if I haven't already got one prepared, and redirect you to my fake one. Hmm. And from there, it will look identical because I know who you were going to, and you log in, and uh, you know I fake what looks like a successful open ID login, and lo and behold, you see me on a beach somewhere. Heck, Not- you don't even need to fake it. You then forward it to the actual site, get yeah. back the creds, and you're off. Indeed. You could, you could sort of do it that way, but you don't even have to bind through the provider. You just, you just treat it as if it was a successful login because you don't care about protecting 
the stuff that you can use to lure people in. All you care about is getting the username and password. Well, if it's so fundamentally insecure, why does it still exist? Why do but, we care about it? Because it's incredibly easy. And because, you know what, no one, no one particularly is using OpenID to protect anything useful. It's there for commenting on blogs. Um, it, and, and that's pretty much about it. Well, you know, I had this conversation, uh, Richard, with Eileen uh, Rumwell at Mix, which is, right. what is the, and this is my position, is that I, I don't, I, I see this whole card space thing as being a problem so long as there isn't a problem with what works today. And with the combination of the phishing filter in the browser and XP, uh, SP2, the firewall, and, you know, form-filling tools in IE with MSN Toolbar or Google Toolbar, you can go to Amazon and pretty much do an HTTPS transaction and get your stuff and it shows up the next day and there's really no problem. It's not until the masses have real security problems that this kind of stuff gets really hot. And then, you know, Band-Aids will come out, such as they have, and then the issue goes away. So what is it going to take for, for people, for the end users to demand something like card space? Because I don't see the demand. Well, and, and I'll, I'll let Barry answer this ultimately, but let's first start off with the difference between OpenID and card space because they're not the same thing. No, no, no. But we were talking about information cards in general. Yeah. Go ahead, Barry. What do you think? Well, I think you're, appro- you're approaching it from, from half of the story. Okay. So with uh, information cards, we have two types of cards. We have a self-issued card, which is all anybody ever demonstrates, which are the ones that you can create yourself. And yes, they can be used for automated form filling um, and for commenting on blogs if a blog supports it and all of, all of that governs. The same sort of thing that OpenID is used for now. But there's the other side of it, which is managed information cards, where we have an identity provider who will, um, in theory, guarantee that the information that they are providing, be it your name, your address, your date of birth, your inside leg measurement, whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> is actually valid. And that's where it starts to get a little bit more interesting from my point of view. The idea of enabling um, people to become identity providers. So whilst, yes, there, you know, all right, perhaps there's not much difference between uh, conceptually between open ID and self-issued cards, when we get into the managed card scenario, that I get overexcited and everyone just rolls their eyes into the back of their head and goes, oh, no, he's off talking about InfoCard again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's awesome, too. And I, um, I, just, I just don't know as if people will demand enough of it. Isn't the real appeal of this the single sign-on concept that instead of having separate usernames and passwords for all these different sites, I have this one thing that I don't have to worry about? Well, I think you have to worry about it a little. Um, and the, the, the problem, yes, there, there is a, sing, a, a, a not a, perhaps a single sign-on approach, but yeah, there is a central authentication approach um, where it does, it does take away a lot of the pain. And even with, you know, what it, what it offers over um, OpenID is it will, offer an, it will offer a unique identifier to each of the websites that accepts it. So it stops aggregation of information by naughty people, for example, mm. which is which is great fun. Um, but with managed cards, then you can actually put usernames and passwords back in the picture again, and you can protect managed cards with the username and password, or you can protect it with a smart card, which is really fun for demoing, 
or you can actually protect it with a self-issued card. So it looks for that card that you created yourself in your card space wallet um, and will then use that to authenticate through. So there, there, are, a few different, there are a few different uses for it um, and a few different ways to authenticate as soon as you throw managed cards in the mix. But yes, I mean, the, the, the idea is that you will have a selection of cards that you can use to authenticate yourself, but it's never ever going to be one central card. So, um, for example, when you go to the gym, the gym requires you to show your gym membership card. If you go to buy beer, your gym membership card is not going to be enough to prove that you're of a valid age to buy beer. So you have to provide some sort of official identification. So a driver's license, for example. Um, and then that's accepted by uh, the beer seller that you're old enough to buy beer. So... This is where a managed card comes into it. The managed card, and the, you know, in that sort of scenario, the managed card is your driver's license, and the information provider is whoever issued the driver's license. But that is accepted by a bunch of people as a valid identity, and they evaluate what you can and cannot do based on that identity. Self-issued cards, well, they're like, you know, I mean, they're ones that you create yourself. So I'm, I'm sure you were both in. Um, little clubs with your friends at school running through the forests. Um, America has forests, right? Well, you're, you're still sure like wide do. open like that. So, you know, you draw your little club membership card and put a black hand or a skull and crossbones on it and everyone else would draw their own. So that's self-issued cards. So I can see this being really important in the enterprise. You know, but, but tell me what the killer app is I'm, I'm, I'm for, the, for the end users and the I'm, internet. I'm not convinced anyone knows. What the killer app is right now. Like, what's going to make people actually use this? I think if, well, PayPal recently in the U.S. have been giving out hardware keys to protect the logins to your PayPal account. Right. But, but you really would only be interested in that if your PayPal account's been hacked, right? That, well, yeah, that's true. Or if, if, if you're, you know, you're technical enough to know, to, to know about all the problems. Yeah, or you're paranoid. Oh, there's nothing wrong with paranoid. I, I run with JavaScript turned off. Just because yeah, you're paranoid because doesn't mean they're not out to get you. There you go. I think Indeed. that's what you're about to say, Richard. Uh, that's exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> Do you know the perfect formula for building and managing websites? Follow me here. Zero effort plus Sitefinity CMS equals infinity in website development. That's right. Telerik challenges you to explore its innovative Sitefinity content management system and offers you a chance to win a sleek Zune MP3 player or a Sitefinity license. These cool awards could be yours if you only answer a few easy questions about Telerik's Sitefinity CMS. All you have to do is watch five short movies and see how easy it is to build infinitely beautiful websites with zero effort. You'll learn some cool facts about Sitefinity and the effortless creation of websites. So go to www.sitefinity.com and give it a try. It's fun, it's interesting, and it can get you a free license or a free Zune. So for those sorts of scenarios where users aren't going to be paranoid enough to ask for a hardware key, and nor do you want to roll out the infrastructure behind a hardware key, and that is horrendously painful, um, although I'm sure RSA would disagree and they'd say, no, no, it's incredibly easy, now give us lots of your licensing money. Um, Cardspace card is, is, is that step between normal username and password and hardware tokens. 
So we have a, a protected way of logging in where users get a consistent user experience, which is one of um, the laws of identity that Kim Cameron came up with. So we have this, this consistent user experience that never changes. So users can feel safe and secure and confident that they are sending information to the right place. Because how many times have you, you know, I, I use electronic banking a lot. Uh, and my bank actually changed their login screen about three months ago. And I find myself pausing. It's like, that doesn't look right. What's going on? Uh, but how many people are going to do that? How many people are actually going to pay attention and and look for that sort of, the, the sort of small changes? You know, people are not paranoid enough. Whereas Cardspace does all that for you. I mean, it looks, mm. at, it looks at phishing sites. It will warn you that you've never, ever sent authentication information to a site before. So if you've been redirected to a fake banking site and you see that message, you know something's wrong. And hopefully, users will then notice it and, and take the appropriate remedial action. But, I, but a killer application, I'm not so sure. We have, we have fun things where we can act, we can have a managed car provider that acts as a federated identity provider. Now so what's that? that? Could be pulling in information from, ooh, lots and lots of places. So we're getting back into that scenario where you have one card for everything as long as the federated provider talks to everybody that needs everything. You know, we've tossed that word around here on the show before, federated. What does federated mean anyway? Um, it's it's kind of like everybody holding hands and sharing information and everything's all smiley and lovely. Seeing kumbaya. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear Lord. You see, I have I have this, this image of, of, of server geeks in sandals now. <laughs> singing around a campfire and believe me it's not pretty it's not pretty not um, a ne- good thing. neither are the socks that they're wearing underneath the sandals yeah. <laughs> so yeah th- it's it's one of those things where i don't think there's ever going to be a killer app the way that it will drive adoption is when somebody big picks it up and runs with it when we can log into hotmail using an information card when Windows Live ID issues information card and we use it to log into every single piece of, you know, everything that accepts a Windows Live ID. But because it's, because at the end of the day, it's, it's really rather technical. Um, and, um, it's, whilst it's not painful to, to implement, it does take a little bit of work from developers. It's, it, there's never going to be a killer app. It's not going to be an Excel. It's not going to be an Outlook. Well, you know, the, the, again, the, just the whole thing is that it comes down to does what you have now work enough for you to use the Internet the way you want to and uh, until the masses get hacked badly or the government says you have to have this because, you know, it's your, your, your national ID card or whatever. I, you know, I can actually, see that. Here's a, here's a thought. You, you want sudden rapid adoption of, of one of these things? Make it a requirement of Gmail. There you go. If yeah. Google one day and says the Gmail only way you can sign in is with CardSpace, everybody's going to do it. Are you th- are you sure about that? I'm, I don't know that Google's going to do that. No, are but, you, you know, sure that people so would... far? Barry's only been talking about them about these different sites supporting this service, but sooner or later, some of these sites are going to say, uh, "We're past supporting it. You must have this." You know, I think that would only make sense if Google actually made it really easy for you. Like if they became the the card provider, and just fill out this form, blah blah blah. If they made it easy, but for one you. of the strengths of this concept now is that you don't share your username and password with the site. You share it with a high security 
authentication provider. This really is well, they, almost like they could still facilitate the the you know the the acquirement of those cards, even if it's a third party that's doing it. Well, yes, that's it would true. Really have to be in, easy. in Google's scenario, I think they would probably. Well, you know, Google are quite happy to take everybody's information, so Google would be <laughs> their own managed card provider, that's and they'd I allow think. you to use it elsewhere, and and then might be able to, you know, they can optionally track where you're using it. But, the but you know what this control. sounds like? It sounds like Microsoft Passport all over again. But mm. it's not. Now, I now usually in about third slide into my presentations on on card space. I have a slide that says Cardspace is not Passport. Because, yes, that's everyone's reaction. The thing is, Passport Passport was a bad idea. I'm going to get lynched for that one. But Passport Passport was was, generally a bad idea. Because no one in their right mind would allow Microsoft to control entry to their assets. Well, you know, and it was bad timing, too. Because right after they announced it, they had all sorts of browser security issues. And it just was bad. It was. Timing was bad. But with information, with information cards, it's it's entirely open. So the specifications are published. It's based on WS Trust and WS Secure and WS Identity. So these are these are well established and well known um, web service protocols. And anybody can issue cards and become an identity provider. So anyone can play. And there are implementations. Uh, for accepting cards in C-sharp, in Java, in Ruby, in PHP. Um, I've even seen one in C, which is really, really scary because that's for using underneath CGI, which which strikes me as, yeah, okay, could, could we sort of like move into at least the 90s with this? But yeah. never mind. And yeah, well, hello, 1985 called, they want their coding techniques back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I miss pointers, I have to say. Because, you know, with pointers, you could look like an absolute guru. It's a delegate. It's type safe. You can't make mistakes. No. Yeah, Yeah, it's not real programming if you can't actually halt the processor at any given moment and force the machine to reboot. (laughs) Yeah, that sort of thing. You know, if you cannot crash the operating system or overwrite some system area, that's my other problem with Vista. Vista protects people too much. No, I want to be able to crash it, darn it. (laughs) Press any key to execute the next assembler instruction. I don't care how dumb it looks. Shift that bit now. <laughs> uh, well, I, you the, bit shifter. Uh, <laughs> the first job I had, we we had an IBM XT on the desk with proper one with like like five dual five and a quarter inch floppy drives, and we yeah. had a technical reference for it because it was a mainframe shop. Technical reference at the back of the IBM XT manual had a complete disassembly of the BIOS in. Um, 8086 assembly plus a wiring diagram. We don't get that yeah. anymore. Yeah, that's what everybody needs. Yeah, schematic. I need a schematic with my computer because yeah. if it breaks, you know, I want to whip out the soldering iron. Actually, Richard would be right at home doing that kind of stuff, but you know, you fix one CPAP machine with a soldering iron and nobody lets it go. <laughs> There's a story there. <laughs> Richard I saved my life one night, man. Richard saved my life. <laughs> With a soldering iron. I was, I was at his birthday party, his 40th party, and uh, I have a CPAP machine because I have sleep apnea, and it forces air down the back of your throat so that you don't stop breathing and die in the middle of the night. 
Yeah, nothing particularly important. Nothing particularly important. Well, anyway, on the plane, it got bumped around and jostled and stopped working. And I picked it up and shook it and it went da 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 So there was a big old component, some capacitor or something, right? Transformer or something in there. I think it was a relay, actually. Well, okay. You electronic types. So I was sitting there messing around with a soldering iron, trying to get it, trying to get it, trying to get it. And the first night I had this sort of wire jumper thing, but it wasn't really all that secure. And, and it did work, but then it stopped in the middle of the night. And then the next night, Richard, of course, got out the real equipment and went to town and fixed it for me. Saved my life. So you owe him big time now. A pig like that, you can't eat all at once. <laughs> I hope you asked for monetary compensation. Our, I know where he lives. Uh, sorry, anyway. Where were we? Are we actually going to talk about work? That was a great pig. <laughs> I completely forgotten how we get onto that. Let's let's change gears. You had an announcement today. Oh yes, you see, we we've um. One of the problems with being a managed card provider is there is zero documentation and very, very little sample code. So um, myself and, and Dominic Bayer, who's a, um, a WCF guy out of Germany. Yes, and uh, been on the show before. Actually, I think he's been on Run As before. Ah, okay, yes, because he's, he's, <laughs> that's probably good given his domain name of leastprivilege.com. Yes, he's a <laughs> bit of a security guy. Yes, he is. And uh, one of my friends who actually works for uh, an identity provider kind of up in Scotland, a guy called David Christensen, we've been sort of like playing. you got to call out to David Christensen, too, because he is one of the .NET Rocks ambassadors. That's right. Oh, Pop that's ambassadors. true. This was, this was his idea. Oh, this is totally an insider show. Yeah, totally. this, is, this is true. I view, David as, as, I view David as my evil minion in the card space world. <laughs> <laughs> Damn yeah, all you, this, Barry. All need evil minions, so David, David is mine. Your arch David nemesis. Christensen's an evil minion in a lot of different ways, actually. Yeah, I'm a bit worried about that because, you know, I want my evil minions to be exclusive, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> I'm going to get jealous. I'm going to have to ask, you know, he's going to have to start being everybody else's evil minion and just mine. That's, it's, it's not on that he's just, he's just so slutty with his minionness. Yes, hey, he just likes that. He just throws his minionness anywhere it'll go. Hey, yeah. speaking of non sequiturs, does anybody want a HD DVD player for free? Because I can't give it away. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't really buy one of those, did you? Well, accidentally I did, yes. Oh, accidentally. I, okay. I picked the wrong thing. I thought I was getting a Blu-ray. I got HD DVD. I have no idea how because I was on a different page altogether. That's pretty funny. And they won't take it back. Let's get back to Sharp SDS Anyway, yes. I was going to ask him how drunk he was when he was shopping. Because, uh, you know, getting the two mixed up is a little bit... I honestly have no idea how that happened. <laughs> I woke up one morning laying in an alley, bottle of Jack, empty bottle of Jack in one hand and an HD DVD player in the other. Right. I have no idea. And I felt violated. <laughs> Anyhow. Anyway, yes, yeah, so we've been, well... We just lost about 100,000 listeners right there. There you go. Oh, excellent. I'm really, really good at that. But, so, um, I've been doing a bunch of, of actual card-based implementations, a bunch of proof-of-concept things with um, a bunch of actually very big identity providers over here, uh, including one that I stood up on stage with at TechEd uh, in Europe, which was great fun. I flew over the day before, um, did my talk, and then immediately flew back again. Because, you know, that's the kind of jet-setting lifestyle I lead. <laughs> Did I get to go to the entire conference? No, I didn't have time. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a short attention span thing. 
Yeah, that's true. But, you know, I did get drunk on Microsoft's bill the night before, so it was fine. Yeah, because if you're going to go up on stage, you should be hungover while you do it. Oh, yeah. it's absolutely. In fact, we went up on stage the night after all the country parties, and, mm. and we were the second session. So, you know, there were about four people there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they hangover. were all hungover, too. They're the guys who were so drunk they didn't leave the room. <laughs> It's like where where are info info what oh no I can't I can't stand up We're, we'll stay here and listen I'm dealing with a couple of lushes here is this what has come to yes welcome to dot net rocks the alcoholic channel mm, nice yeah <laughs> well you know it's past it's past three o'clock here it, you know it's time for my gin and tonic so what are we going to talk about for oh, the yeah. rest of the show? So, <laughs> so out, of, out, of a bunch, out of a bunch of proof of concepts, I kept, I kept realizing that I was basically implementing the same thing over and over and over again. And because they were proof of concepts and they were done in concert with Microsoft, we were, we were pretty free with the code. Mm-hmm. Um, the customers get to take it away and Microsoft get to keep it. And I went, oh, hold on. I'm implementing the same thing over and over again. This is kind of a bit boring. We're making the same mistakes. Why don't I just take the darn thing away and build something a bit bigger with it? So um, we, we, I had this thing bubbling under called Sharp STS because, you know, it's a .NET project and it, apparently it's mandatory to call it Sharp something. Right, so, yeah, right. Because it's just like that. Otherwise, you know, the, the Microsoft.NET ninjas sort of appear from black helicopters, kick your, kick your door in. Right. And make, and make you rename all your namespaces. <laughs> so um, I was played around with it through much of much December when um, I had a lot of time holiday to take, so I took it and basically sat down and centralized everything. So uh, it went up on Coplex, and Dominic and David started playing around with it as well. Um, and yesterday, well, actually, 7 a.m. this morning was the, you must publish it by now or it will be deleted. Oh. So there's, you know, there's nothing like a little bit of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> so I hit the publish button late last night, um, and I was going to let it be very, very quiet. And I woke up this morning, and both Dominic and David had blogged it. And I'm like, "Oh, they're like they're like children on Christmas Day, getting up at 4 a.m. and ripping the wrapping off the off the presents and screaming loudly." And I'm the parent that's in bed going, "Oh, it's too early." So <laughs> what we have right now is we have um, a basis for writing um, a debuggable security token service. So. You can run it in a command line. It hosts its own WCF endpoints and all of that stuff, and you can single-step through it, and you can uh, plug in your own uh, authorization policy provider. So it's all provider model-based. I kind of went a bit haywire because I like the provider model, so there's about six different ones that you can plug in. But it all boils down to you plug in this little thing that that provides the information for the claims, and away it goes. Hmm. Now, of course, it's not finished. Nowhere near finished. And, of course, it's it's an open-source project. It never, ever will be. Right. So at the minute, you can download it and you can play with it in a command line environment. Hopefully within the next couple of weeks, we'll have it properly hosted within IIS, within IIS 6 and within IIS 7. Um, and then we can look at putting a demonstration site together where you can go to and get your own managed card and have a bit of a play about. So that's the evil plan. But at the minute, we have the code up at Coplex. Um, we have a, a, a little website that explains that we're nowhere near ready, but you can go get the code and play with it anyway, and that's at uh, sharpsts.com. Nice. Got to get the plug in. And we have a logo, because, you know, logos are important. They're the most important. Yeah. So, and this gets back to the whole original discussion around card space and everybody using their self-issued cards, because it's just so hard to get managed cards. So here is a library that's really built so that you can put up a site that provides managed cards. Indeed, yes. 
So if you're a corporate and and you wanted to um, you wanted to allow your uh, company employees to identify themselves with an information card, you put up your own managed card provider that plugs into AD. If you're a bank and you want to protect you what you want to um, allow your users to use card space to log in, you really don't want them to use self-issued cards. You want more control in that. You can throw this thing up and plug it into your own authentication mechanism and issue your own managed cards. Hopefully, I mean, you know, we're, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about it because because the idea of my code can, controlling access to bank accounts. Right. Yeah, it gives me the willies, and I'm nine time zones away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but actually, I think you hit on the one that's going to happen the first, which is I have a small business or a mid-sized business, and I've got 20 people remote. And rather than go through this whole game of issuing certificates or, or uh, you know, the username password game, I could be issuing cards. You could be. And, of course, with, the, with, with ISA server and the Intelligent Application Gateway, you can plug in your own authorization provider, so yeah. you can. So instead of having that the the the, the, the ISA login page coming up with a, asking for a username and password, you can quite easily plug into that pipeline and just say, "Give me your information card." Hmm. And it's just that little bit more secure. And well, and, and in some ways, quite a bit simpler too. The, although, I mean, the card's obviously associated with the machine. Uh, which is how it simplifies things to some degree. And there is support for card space in XP. There is, yes. In fact, there's, there's, support, for, if there's support for card space on anything that takes uh, .NET 3.0. So XP, Server 2003, and then, of course, Vista and uh, Server 2008. But there's also support for it on Linux, uh, which comes from the Bandit project in the shape of uh, Identity Me, and that also runs on OS X. So we have support across all the major operating systems. What we don't have is a portability story yet. So whilst you can back up your cards and restore them, there's nothing There's nothing like, oh, I have a card on this USB key, I'm going to plug it into a machine and it will magically appear, and when I unplug the USB key, it'll go away. So that's kind of, that, that's kind of what's missing. So we shall see what happens with that. I, I assume something is coming, but every time you ask about it, everybody goes very, very quiet. So that that quietness indicates that they're they're working on solving it. It's just they're not allowed to talk about it yet. Right, but and it's an interesting problem. In theory, the token just needs to live on the USB key. It's all about the host software saying, "Oh, here's a new device. Are there tokens on it? Yeah, all right. Now I'll register them into my uh, my repository." Yeah, in the same sort of way that smart cards work right now. When you plug a smart card in, um, it loads a proxy for the certificate. And then when you're prompted for the certificate, you, it looks at it and goes, oh, hold on, that's a proxy. I need the smart card. And it will come up and say, put in the smart card. So that's how, I, you know, that, that would be the obvious way for Cardspace to, to, or for identity providers to do it. But because it's all standards-based right now, it has to be discussed with everybody. And right. it has to be a solution that will work across everything. And this is an example of, of Microsoft being very, very friendly to everybody else. So the Ruby code and the, the uh, Python code um, came out of a Microsoft-sponsored um, hackathon. Uh, so Microsoft paid for a bunch Oh, of, I heard about this. Yeah, they, they paid for a bunch of, I think it was Python and Ruby programmers, to sit in a room over a weekend and hack together some card space acceptance code. And it went up in Coplex. And That's they have cool. a bunch of interoperability lab workshops, um, for which I have the T-shirt from one of them as a present. That was nice. 
so I get T-shirts. Um, and they hold those on a regular basis, and everybody gets together with all their various implementations and tests all their bits and pieces out against each other's, each other's bits and pieces. So it is being really, really open in a really, really good way. So hopefully that sort of, that sort of standards-driven process um, will help convince everybody that this is not just a land grab like Passport was, but it's something that everyone can join in and play with. Yeah, you're going to get nailed for that last line. What? Everybody can join in or a land grab. Mm. Yeah, the card spa- the, uh, the the passport land grab. That's a nice one. I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. And the only way this is really going to take off is if it's completely platform neutral. And in some respects, I've, I've got the sense that the non-Microsoft platforms are somewhat ahead of the game in some of these technologies. Uh, yes, because of course there have been there have been open frameworks before. So we've had Higgins, which is the IBM offering, and now Higgins is looking at, at, at plugging in cards based support. And we had OpenID, which was available first, and now they're looking at plugging in cards based support. So instead of logging in with, well, they're they're looking at it in two ways. There are a bunch of OpenID providers now who allow you to protect your login with an information card. We're back to this whole using a self issued card to log in. Right, so, and and really, the, the how OpenID and CardSpace come together. Well, that's that's a first step. The other way of looking at it is um, because because CardSpace is is open, and in fact, what's inside the card, the information that gets sent from a managed card provider, is transparent. No one cares. Um, it at the minute, the standard is for it to be a SAML profile, huh. but it could be anything. So you know, it could be wrought. <laughs> It could be ROT13 encoded text for all card space cares because what happens is when the identity selector pops up, talks to the managed card provider, it takes everything back and it just forwards it on. So it's like a little proxy. And that's one of, that, that's where the consistent user, user interface comes in because it's acting as a proxy for the authentication. But it just passes everything. So I can pass what I want out of a managed card provider to the website that's asking for it. So there is talk of having an open ID token format. So instead of pushing SAML down, you're pushing open ID information through. Hmm. So it's just another example of, of how, you know, they're, they're not narrowly defining anything. They're not forcing anybody to stick to, you know, you must do things in this format. I mean, there's a little bit of that for things like the format of an actual information card itself, but you have to for that sort of thing. But for the rest of it, for the transactions, for the, for, for the, the information that's carried, by the the info card transport that's open and people can implement it how they like okay so we're talking to .NET developers and we're thinking about what and how we're going to implement this obviously we've got your library they the funny challenge with this is it's not just a developer problem the guy who's got the real problem here is the IT guy who's saying how am i going to implement card space inside this organization and needs to turn to developers to say, I want to incorporate this. In some ways, I wonder why these tools are necessary. Shouldn't we just have this stuff running on Windows Server 2008? Well, um, at TechEd last year in Europe, there was a demonstration of um, a Microsoft STS library that will eventually plug into AD. So that, will, right. that, that that is coming somewhere down the pipeline. No one talks about dits hmm. or anything like that. But yeah, you're right. This should be a standard thing that eventually plugs in. And maybe we'll see it as a standard part of the operating system in Windows 7 and beyond. But no, there's nothing 
right now, except for this mysterious, mysterious Microsoft STS that's coming in the pipeline. Right. And I'm, and I'm immediately thinking, how is this going to relate to IIS 7 as well? I mean, in some ways, it sounds like this should be a configuration option to secure a website. It should, but of course, it's, it, it's not there, really. The, the, the problem with it, with it is, because of the lack of a portability story, and because it relies on an operating system to support it, and a browser to support it, if you limit yourself to information cards only, you've got to be very sure of your audience. Right. So if Microsoft gave an option where you can just flick something on saying information card only, I think that may then raise interesting antitrust complaints. So at the minute, and until it's extremely widespread, until people understand it, it's going to sit there as an addition to usernames and passwords, a secure alternative. Yeah, well, I just the same way that I can use both digest authentication and uh, and simple authentication, and I'm going to prefer digest, so that'll work first, and if it doesn't, then it'll fall back to the basic authentication. If I'd had an option for card space, and I'd like to use that as the highest priority choice. So if you have a good card space response, then great. Otherwise, I'll fall back to the next one and then the next one. Yeah, that's, that, that, that would be the very, very nice thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe we'll get there one day. Yeah, it's not out there now, so goodness knows when it's actually going to be there. So in that context, thinking someday this is just going to be tools on the server, I'm just thinking about how I would implement Sharp STS as an interim solution. Well, I mean, it, it should be reasonably simple. I mean, you need to have um, an exposed web server, an SSL certificate. Well, you need to have IIS when we finish the IIS port. So talking as if it's, it's, as if it's where I want it to be, you need IIS and an SSL certificate, and then you become your own managed provider. And one of the things that I hope to deliver is a very simple uh, Active Directory provider. So you should be able to plug it into Active Directory and nothing more. Right, so, and so my connection to Active Directory allows me to associate a given uh, information card or to a given account in AD. Yeah, that's the goal. Yeah, and then you basically just use the normal normal forms authentication, um, and at the end of it, you 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 would accept the information card. You check where it comes from, so you check that it's one that you've issued yourself, and you can you can actually limit. Um, the, the information cards that can be used in a website by who issued them. Right. So on your um, on your ISA gateway page, you'd only accept your own. But you'd obviously do a bit more checking as well just to make sure. Um, and when the information card is used, it could come up and ask for username and password, or it could just use a, a self-issued back thing, however you want to implement that sort of policy. And then like forms authentication, you just you just let it trundle through. You've got the account name out of it. You you create your your identity and attach it to the current thread, and splat away we go. Splat. Or if we've got the intelligent is application, splat a technical term. Splat. Splat. Yeah. Splat's a very technical term because that's normally what my code does. <laughs> <laughs> so this is really now. The, I mean, this is you'd integrate Sharp STS into your ASP.NET application. Well, I no. You you would you would host an STS. Underneath IIS six or IIS right. seven, and it's it's WCF. It's not, you know, There's an argument that the ASP.NET is kind of like WCF. I mean, it's all web services. It's all pretty much the same. But yeah, the authentication part of it, you put in IIS. You put in your 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 gateway page into your systems, or you could do it in PHP or uh, Ruby or whatever you else think is trendy. Because at the end of the day, you just need to know how to pick one of these tokens apart, and that's reasonably simple. 
So, or if we have intelligent application gateway stuff, we can just plug in uh, a card space authentication bits and pieces. And apparently I'm doing that in uh, a couple of months, which will be interesting. So I know it's possible. Um, right. So the, the bits that are up there on, on Coplex right now are really meant to build this, this standalone authenticate, uh, authenticated card or, or server-supplied yeah. card. So they, they, will, they, will, they are there to provide the services for a managed card and to issue a managed card. Right. There are three web services right now. There's, there's one for username and password back managed cards. There's one for uh, managed cards, which look for this self-issued card in your wallet. And then there's a web service to actually deliver a managed card to someone. And, you know, the hope is that once we've got everything nicely sorted and we've got everything working in IS, we'll, of course, deliver a sample website with it. So you're not currently, you know, currently you're running it as a command line on a weird port on your desktop because right. command line is far easier to debug than anything else. Right. So hopefully IIS support will be there within about next week, week and a half. Um, hmm. there, are some, there are some fun things to solve with that, which I've, I've been attempting in different ways, and eventually I think I'm just going to give up and do the, the quick and ugly hack, because, hey, we know it works. Um, and then you're there. You have enough to, to start being your own identity provider. And of course, the power of CodePlex is the source is all there. For, so for someone who really wants to get started understanding how to implement card space, they can read through your code. Oh, yeah. And it's commented. All nice. has right. It got a, has it got an Irish accent, too? <laughs> well, actually, the fun thing is because because we need you need to basically plug it into your back-end database or your back-end identity management system. Um, this is where the whole provider models came into it. So we called it authorization policy provider, and I spell authorization with an S quite deliberately. You know, <laughs> if you want your comments to have an Irish accent, just end every sentence with bejesus. Nice, right? You were, you, you were confused. So, yeah, now, now, we're, now we're taking the piss out of Irish stereotypes after accusing me of being a drunk as well. <laughs> Anything else you want to go for I, here? Yeah, I'm just telling you that I'm getting schooled, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm understanding the people, you know, the culture. It's... <laughs> okay, do, do, you, do, do not go back to the guy that runs your Irish pub with any of these, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to use a delicate hair, but Jesus. <laughs> oh dear lord no. <laughs> actually we we in in the uk we have a bunch of um conference every year called developer days right um and they're held on a saturday um and a bunch of us from the community we all volunteer our time um microsoft kindly hosts them in the uk and we get they, they sell out within about half a day and i say sell out with you know all the places are applied for because it's entirely free so Microsoft hosts it, but there are no Microsoft speakers, so um, it's just all volunteers. Mm -hmm. um, we're taking it across to Ireland in May. And so um, whilst it's called DDD Ireland, I, I also have the domain name and how I still refer to it as is Techprecon. Techprecon. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, that amuses me. That's pretty good. <laughs> that, that's what I wanted to call the conference. That's the only reason I started helping organize that one as opposed to speaking on it, because darn it, it should have been tech for con. <laughs> that's pretty good. I that like that. That is awesome. All right. So the bits that are up there right now, uh, really a limited scope, good for command line testing just to see what a card issue looks like and so forth. Yeah. But, you know, the, the show's... Uh, Within the next couple of weeks, we're going to start seeing some IIS-related bits. Well, within the next couple of weeks, we should see IIS hosting. I mean, if you want to start implementing things now, the, the, the 
provider model should not change that much. You know, but then again, this whole, oh, you should never, ever change an interface malarkey. Go, it's my interface. It's my code. I can change it as much as I right. like. Right. <laughs> you don't like it? Start your own open source project. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, it, it's not going to be, there are going to be no stable interfaces until I hit that. This is an official release button. So there'll probably be, be little things added here and there. Um, but, yeah, you're pretty much good to go from a command line point of view. And you start looking at the authorization provider stuff. And you start thinking about what you can, you know, what sort of information you want to support and what sort of information you want to issue. And in fact, um, if you get the Understanding Windows card space book, which uh, is Vittorio Bertocci and, and Garrett, oh, I can never remember his surname. Oh, that's bad. Um, and Caleb Baker, if you get their book, they have a, the introductory chapters for it have a very good explanation and discussion around what is and isn't valid information for an information card and how you should look at exposing that sort of information and other bits. And then they go on to just look at the client side story. There's not much about the server side story there. But Vittorio's blog is is probably the central place to go for um for card space related information. And in fact you can see you can see some of the sample code from the up and coming Microsoft STS stuff cool. on there. It's about four lines, and that makes me cry. <laughs> I, was, I was sitting there in that presentation, and, and he, 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 wrote a, he wrote an STS live on stage in four lines of code. Oh, man. And I'm like, well, that's just not fair. But we don't know when that's coming, so. Yeah, well, there's more, always more coming with card space, it seems. That's true, yes. Well, what else can we talk about? Beer? Beer. Uh, All right, your favorite? We can go back to stereotype. Well, you know, come on. No, I have to go for Guinness. Well, of course. Is there any other beer? Uh, you wouldn't really call Guinness beer, would you? No, it's, Guinness is a stout. It's a stout. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of other good stouts. Murphy's, for example. They're too sweet. Yeah? Yeah. Way too sweet. And, of course, you don't get the real stuff over there anyway. No, no, that's right. You have to go to Cork. Or Dublin, or I guess. Dublin. It's, yeah. Or in fact, actually, the, all the Guinness shipped in the UK now comes from Dublin as well. Wow. It used to be they used to brew it in London, but now it all comes over from Dublin. Wow. I am playing up the stereotypes now as well. <laughs> well, we it's a about, cultural thing, right? It's we could talk about stereotype. river dads. No, we really could. Oh, river dads. Yeah. <laughs> no, we really can. That would be over the top. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you that a, a couple of things I've learned from hanging out with Dearmint and all these guys is that uh, I've learned a little Gaelic. For example, I've learned the Gaelic uh, for restrooms are reserved for customers only. It goes like this. All right, you motherfucker. Now you're going to buy a fucking drink and I'm going to break your fucking head. That sounds more Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> does Although doesn't if it, it was scottish it would be heed rather than head yep so actually what you need to learn is where the pogues got their name from because that's that's a reasonable irish visit okay. okay i'm actually northern irish so in northern ireland gaelic isn't or certainly wasn't taught when i was when i was growing up because a bit of a contentious political issue <laughs> yeah especially as i went to a mixed protestant and catholic school so we were like trying to avoid you know, history, Irish history past the 14th century, not even discussed. Okay. <laughs> Which I thought was a bit of a shame because some of it was interesting. But yeah, ask, ask, ask your friend where the Pogues got their name from and what the phrase behind it is. Well, tell us now. Well, it's, it's Pogue Mahone. And I've no idea if I ever pronounced that right, but it basically means kiss my arse. Oh. 
So nice. What you have to now think about is 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 what the what the pogue bit is. Is it kiss or is it arse? Ah. You could look at Shane McGowan's face, and you know even that doesn't give you any clues, which is more which is which is more suitable. So which is it? I'll, I'll leave I'll leave that as an exercise right. for the listener. I'm sure we'll get some email about that. <laughs> You're gonna have to give T-shirts out if people write in saying arse. Right. Do I? By the way, do I get a T-shirt for this? Would you like a T-shirt? I would. Get, I'm. I. I would love one. I have. I have an entire wardrobe full of enough T-shirts that I don't have to do washing for three weeks, and it's just conference branded and vendor branded T-shirt. Then you shall have one. Yeah, and this may be why I'm single. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Cool. So I've probably confused people a lot because you know no one particularly talks about the managed information card side of things. So hopefully you know now that there's a little bit of code out there and it's all nicely commented, we'll be able to start documenting what the differences are and people can start picking it up and playing around. And hopefully maybe one day we'll see we'll see managed cards appear somewhere. All right, Barry. Thank you very much. Cool. Thanks very much, guys. Been a great, been great talking to you. We had a lot of fun this morning. Thanks for that. Yeah, talking about beer with you guys first thing <laughs> in the morning, perhaps, perhaps not best. <laughs> All right. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rock. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a